Welcome to the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman, where Jerry reads a chapter from the New Testament and gives us key insights and life applications along the way. For more information about the Solid Life Journal and reading plans, visit solidlives.com. And now, let's get into today's reading. Okay, here we go. Matthew chapter 26 from the New King James Version. Here's what it says. Now it came to pass when Jesus had finished all these sayings that he said to his disciples, you know that after two days is the Passover and the son of man will be delivered up to be crucified. Then the chief priests, the scribes and the elders of the people assembled at the palace of the high priest who was called Caiaphas and plotted to take Jesus by trickery and kill him. But they said, not during the feast, lest there should be an uproar among the people. And when Jesus was in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, a woman came to him having an alabaster flask of very costly fragrant oil, and she poured it on his head and he sat at the table as he sat at the table. But when his disciples saw it, they were indignant, saying, Why this waste? For this fragrant oil might have been sold for much and given to the poor. I believe it's John that brought out in his gospel. It was actually Judas that said that. He carried the money box, and Judas had a problem with the love of money. And this is why he sold Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. Verse 10, But when Jesus was aware of it, he said to them, talking about to his disciples. So it must have been more than Judas that was sort of chiming in on this idea that we should have sold this and it shouldn't have been broken. It's so expensive. We should have sold it and had money to give to the poor. So Jesus, when he was aware of it, he said, why do you trouble the woman? For she has done a good work for me. For you have the poor with you always, but me you do not have always. For in pouring this fragrant oil on my body, she did it for my burial. Assuredly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. And that's why I believe it was shared in all the gospels, because Jesus said that. Verse 14, then one of the twelve, called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and said, what are you willing to give me if I deliver him to you? You can see right after this event where Jesus said, no, we're not going to go after money. We're not going to uh, take every situation or every opportunity to increase our wealth or our money or our ministry uh, budget. Nope, we're not going to do that. We're going to put first things first. Well, Judas there, bam, he went to the chief priests and he said, what are you willing to give me? So you can tell his heart has been uh, grasped and is locked up with the love of money. And even though he's been with Jesus three and a half years. So you can tell now that just because you've been in the word, just because you've been around the right people, you've been in the right environment, that doesn't mean that your heart will automatically do the right thing. Each of us have to confront our own hearts. And when we see these things crop up, we have to say, stop it. No, that's not the right way of thinking. God's word says, A, B, C, and D. You will think right. You will repent of that. See, we have to confront our hearts. Our hearts will have these. Now, of course, I'm not talking about the born-again spirit. I'm talking about the other side of our heart, the soul, the mind, the emotions, the will. And so Judas did not confront his own heart, and he fell into this trap. May that not happen to any of us in Jesus' name. So it goes on to say, 
he said, what are you willing to give me if I deliver him to you? And they counted out to him 30 pieces of silver. So from that time, he sought opportunity to betray him. So now Judas from that time was looking for an opportunity to betray Jesus. Isn't that horrible? Verse uh, 17. Now on the first day of the feast of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus saying to him, where do you want us to prepare for you to eat the Passover? And he said, go into the city to a certain man and say to him, the teacher says, my time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. So the disciples did as Jesus had directed them and they prepared the Passover. When evening had come, he sat down with the 12. Now, as they were eating, he said, assuredly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. Now, let me just mention quickly that the disciples and Jesus ate the Passover the night before really Passover was happening. Let me tell you what that means. See, the Passover began in Exodus chapter 12, where God said on the 10th day of the particular month, take a lamb. And then on the 14th day at twilight, you'll kill it. Well, Jesus is the Passover lamb that the original Passover lamb was pointing to. And so he, of course, had to die on Passover. This is all prophesied. This is all calculated by God. The reason it had to be uh, the lamb on that day back in Exodus 12 and every subsequent Passover after that, the reason it had to be on a particular day, a particular month is because that's when the Messiah would die. That's when he would be examined. Those last three days in Jerusalem, he would be examined. So it's the evening now, you know, in, in Jewish life, the evening is part of the next day. So the evening and the morning were the first day. You remember this from Genesis chapter one. Well, so that evening, Passover began. And the next morning at 9 a.m., he would be nailed to the cross. And at 3 p.m., right about the time that the priests we're killing the Passover lambs. Jesus died for our sins. I mean, perfect prophetic fulfillment, just like that. Well, so he's eating the Passover with his disciples by necessity because he wouldn't be able to eat it the next night. He'll be, you know, in the grave. And so he's eating the night before, but yet on Passover. So watch this. When evening had come, he sat down with the twelve. And as they were eating, he said, assuredly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. And they were exceedingly sorrow. They couldn't believe it. Like, you know, who, which of us would do that to you, Lord? They were exceedingly sorrow. And each of them began to say, Lord, is it I? He answered and said, he who dipped his hand with me in the dish will betray me. The son of man indeed goes just as it is written of him. But woe to the man by whom the son of man is betrayed. It would have been good for that man if he had not been born. Born. Then Judas, who be, was betraying him, answered and said, Rabbi, is it I? He said to him, you have said it. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed and broke it. Now, let me just stop there. For Jesus to say, it would be better for that person that betrays the Son of Man if he had not been born. That's a clear indication that this man, Judas, will end up going to hell over that. Uh, and so... Uh, now, I can't say that for sure, but it sure seems to me that that's what Jesus was saying, because it would have been better if he had not even been born. Now, watch this. Judas is sitting right there at the table. Jesus makes this statement. Judas knows that it's him, and yet he goes through with it anyway. 
See, this is what happens when money grips your heart. You can hear the word of God, even from the lips of the Son of God himself, and yet still go on. Hey, young man, you're headed for a ditch, but he can't hear you. See, he's blinded, he's deafened by this unrighteous crave for money. And this has happened to so many people in the body of Christ. They cannot hear. They think they're hearing, but they're not hearing. And they just keep on going until it's over. And this is not what God wants for any of us. Boy, we've got to obey the word of God. Whenever you put money in front of God, if you're not tithing, if you're not giving the way that God wants to, if you're not handling your money with righteousness, then that's already an indicator that you're not doing what God has called you to do. You're doing what's best to keep money or to make more money or whatever. And boy, we have to make sure because Jesus said you cannot serve God and mammon. And Judas ended up, even as one of Jesus' 12 disciples, serving mammon. So it says, uh, verse 26, And as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed, and broke it, and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins." Now, this is believed to be, during the Passover meal, there are several cups of, uh, of vine, from the vine, that is drunk by the participants of the Passover Seder. And this is believed to be the third of the cups, the cup of redemption, that Jesus takes this one and says, this is my blood of the new covenant. Do this in remembrance of me. And of course, the old covenant was the covenant of Abraham, and there were other covenants. There was the covenant of Moses and David and such, but the big covenant was the covenant of Abraham. And now this is the blood of the new covenant, and this one is for everybody, the Gentiles included. So notice this. It goes on to say, he says, For this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on, until that day when I drink it new with you in my father's kingdom. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus said to them, all of you will be made to stumble because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I, I have been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter answered and said to him, even if all are made to stumble because of you, I will never be made to stumble. Do you see the heart of Peter? He's saying, I don't care if all of these guys leave you. I will not leave you. Peter's heart was to be after Jesus, was to stick with him, was to defend him. Verse 34, Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you that this night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, Even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. So And so said all the disciples. Notice Peter was the first one, then everybody else chimed in. See, Peter was the most influential leader among the disciples. He was indeed Jesus' number one disciple. It's always when you get down to the, the, the primary three, Peter, James, and John. Never John, James, and Peter, or James, John, and Peter. Always Peter, James, and John. Peter was indeed the number one disciple pursuing Jesus. So it goes on to say, 
Uh, verse 36, then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to the disciples, sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, that's James and John, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Let me just tell you something about the Bible. The Bible never exaggerates. An exaggeration is a form of a lie. This is the truth. So when the Holy Spirit inspired these texts, we can have confidence that whatever it says is really happening. So Jesus began to be, uh, he said, he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. And he went on in verse 38, it says, then he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. He was telling them, oh, my soul is so sorrowful. I feel like I'm going to die inside, even to death. It is, I mean, it can't be any more extreme. Well, you can imagine Jesus knows what's about to happen to him. The sins of the world and the judgment, the righteous judgment of God against the sin of the world is about to be brought on him as one man, one innocent man. And he knows it. And his soul is crying out, not wanting to do it. So he said, stay here and watch with me. He's asking his three closest friends, if they'll stay and watch with him. Why? Because he knows at some point Judas and the gang are going to come and arrest him and he doesn't want to be snuck up on. He wants to pour his heart out to God and focus on getting this strength from the Lord. So it goes on to say in verse 39, he went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed saying, oh my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Notice the first thing he says, oh my father, he's coming to his father. Oh, the father loves him. He's the father's beloved son. But notice he said, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. What is he saying? If anybody could come up with another plan of how these people could be redeemed without me having to go through this. Oh, father, it would be you. If it's possible, let this cup, let this assignment pass from me. But he immediately follows, nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. It's the first time we really see the will of Jesus, not in perfect alignment with the will of the father. But notice, Jesus is choosing not to go with his own will. He is modeling for us what it's like to be tempted to have a different will, to have a different desire than God does, and yet to pull your will and desire under God's will and desire for your life. So he said, nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Then he came to the disciples and found them, what? Sleeping. And he said to Peter, notice he didn't say to James and John, he said to Peter. Why? Because Peter's the one that is committed uh, vocally to be after Jesus. He said to Peter, what, could you not watch with me one hour? So we get the idea that he was praying about an hour. Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, a second time he went away and prayed saying, oh, my father, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. And he came and found them asleep again for their eyes were heavy. So he left them, went away again and prayed the third time saying the same words. It may have been that he was praying about three hours because he went away to pray three times, but it doesn't say specifically. Verse 45, then he came to his disciples and said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand and the son of man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See my betrayers at hand. You can see the confidence that he had here after this third time. The father had strengthened him. The Bible says angels came and ministered to him. And now he has a confidence in his voice that he didn't have at first. 
So he says, rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. And while he was still speaking, behold, Judas, one of the 12, with a great multitude with swords and clubs, came from the chief priests and elders of the people. Now his betrayer had given them a sign saying, whomever I kiss, he is the one, seize him. Immediately he went up to Jesus and said, greetings, rabbi, and kissed him. But Jesus said to him, friend, why have you come? Oh, I tell you what, this is really a covenant friend. They were in covenant together. They were in ministry partnership together. And Judas betrays his friend, his covenant friend, with a kiss. And Jesus calls him out on a friend. Why have you come? And so, uh, verse, uh, let's see, verse 50, again, or the end of verse 50. Then they came and laid hands on Jesus and took him. And suddenly, one of those who was with Jesus, stretched out his hand and drew his sword, struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. Well, that was Peter. John tells us it was Peter that did that. And so, now notice this. Peter said, I'll die with you. Well, look, he's following through with what he said. We can't make fun of him like he didn't really have what it took. He did. He pulled out his sword and started swinging. He was ready to die with Jesus right there because there was a large multitude here with swords and clubs. There's no way, naturally speaking, that Peter's not going to die right now. And so notice this. But Jesus said to him, Peter, put your sword in its place, for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Or do you think that I cannot pray to my father and he will provide me with more than 12 legions of angels? Many estimate a legion would be 6,000 and more than 12 legion of angels. How then could the scriptures be fulfilled that it must happen thus? So he's saying, I, if I called my father and said, I, I'm not going to do it, rescue me. He said, my father would send more than 12 legion of angels to get me out of here. He said, but if I don't go through with this, how will the scriptures and the prophecies and salvation be fulfilled? See, but notice this, Peter's pulled his sword out and started swinging. And he was ready to do what he committed to do. But Jesus said, no, no, put your sword in your place. So Peter is now confused. He, he doesn't understand. I, I thought... I thought I was doing the right thing. So notice this. In that hour, Jesus said to the multitudes, have you come out against uh, a robber with swords and clubs to take me? I sat daily with you teaching in the temple and you did not seize me. But all this was done that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples forsook him and fled. When they saw that Jesus was not going to fight, but that he was going to yield himself to the arrest, then they fled. So it says, and those who had laid hold of Jesus led him away to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the scribes and the elders were assembled. But Peter followed him at, at a distance. Peter's still following. So he didn't just run away like most of the other disciples. He's still following. It says, but Peter followed him at a distance to the high priest's courtyard, and he went in and sat with the servants to see the end. Now the chief priests, the elders, and all the council sought false testimony against Jesus to put him to death, but found none. Well, of course not, because he didn't do anything wrong. Even though many false witnesses came forward, they found none. But at last, two false witnesses came forward and said, This fellow said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and build it in three days. And the high priest arose, realizing that none of these witnesses are having any effect on Jesus. And the high priest arose and said to him, Jesus, do you answer nothing? What is it these men testify against you? But Jesus kept silent. In other words, he wasn't defending himself because... He could have 
likely easily gotten out of it if he would have defended himself, but he wasn't trying to get out of it. And the high priest answered and said to him, I put you under oath by the living God. Tell us if you are the Christ or the Messiah, the Son of God. Jesus said to him, it is as you said. Nevertheless, nevertheless, I say, I say to you, hereafter you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the power and coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his clothes. This is what uh, they would do in these days when they showed great emotion. They would tear their clothes. And so it says, then the priest tore his clothes, saying, he has spoken blasphemy. What further need do we have of witnesses? Look, now you have heard his blasphemy. What do you think? They answered and said, he is deserving of death. Then they spat on his face. Not just one person. They. Can you imagine what this was like? It's one of the most demeaning things you can do to another human being. Then they spat in his face and beat him. They spat in his face and they beat him. And others struck him. See, this is before the Romans ever got a hold of him. This is with the Jewish people. And they're about to turn him over to the Romans. So they beat him. Others struck him with the palms of their hands saying, prophesy to us, Christ, who is the one who struck you? Making fun of him. Verse 69 now, Peter sat outside in the courtyard and a servant girl came to him saying, you also were with Jesus of Galilee, but he denied it. Well, he's afraid now, but he denied it before them all saying, I do not know what you are saying. And when he had gone out to the gateway, another girl saw him and said to those who were there, this fellow also was with Jesus of Nazareth. But again, he denied with an oath. I do not know the man. And a little later, those who stood by came up and said to Peter, surely you also are one of them for your speech betrays you. Then he began to curse and swear saying, I do not know the man. Immediately a rooster crowed and Peter remembered the word of Jesus who had said to him before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. So he went out and wept bitterly. Why did he weep bitterly? Because that's the one thing he never wanted to do. He never wanted to betray Jesus, to deny Jesus. He never wanted to leave him. He wanted to defend him. And he proved that by pulling out the sword. But see, he, he was doing it in the flesh. He did not have the spiritual perspective on this. And so even though Jesus told him and told him, his eyes were not open to the spiritual plan of salvation. And so he just loved Jesus and he wanted to defend him. I, I think we give Peter a bad rap sometimes and we should say, look, given what he understood, he was such a good man. And this is why after the resurrection, Jesus went after him. Jesus actually had a special appearance just to Peter that the gospels tell us about. And so what a good man. May we all follow the Lord like that and yet with spiritual understanding. Thank you for joining us for the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman. And thank you to those of you who have partnered with Solid Lives to help get this daily podcast and other resources like it to thousands of people around the world. If you would like to partner with Solid Lives, visit solidlives.com give. To find out more about the ministry of Solid Lives, how you can be a part of this church planting and disciple making movement, or for more great teachings and resources by Jerry, visit solidlives.com. We also want to invite you to check out Jerry's other podcast called The Jerry Dearman Podcast. Here, Jerry shares with us at least weekly from God's Word, challenging us and equipping us to fulfill the amazing plan that God has for our lives. 
You can find links to this podcast as well as Jerry's YouTube channel online at solidlives.com. Thank you again so much for joining us, and we'll see you right here tomorrow as we jump into the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman. Thank you.